If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Wins and Losses with Clay Travis. Clay talks with the most entertaining people in sports, entertainment, and business. Now, here's Clay Travis. Welcome in, Clay Travis. Uh, Wins and Losses podcast special edition. We are reacting to the NBA in China. And we have got Darren Ravel with us. Darren works at the uh, at the uh, what, what is the the uh, Action, Network. Action Network. I was going to say there's too many <laughs> different companies now that have, that start with an A. He's at the Action <laughs> Network, um, and uh, he is uh, he has. We've been talking. We went back and forth on Twitter about this. People out there who haven't been paying attention uh, earlier this week, Daryl Morey, the uh, the general manager of the Houston Rockets, sent a tweet supportive of democracy protests in Hong Kong, which is a semi-autonomous region of China. The Chinese government flipped out over this at the same time that basically the NBA was supposed to be having a goodwill tour, and everything has fallen apart since then. We are talking now on Thursday afternoon. They played the first preseason game between the Lakers and the Nets, but the but China mandated that there would be no media availabilities associated with that, and the NBA acquiesced to those requirements. China also refused to play the games in the country. Uh, you could watch the game here in the United States on the NBA NBA uh, network if you put it on uh, early this morning. So, uh, Darren, so let's start here. Uh, My contention is that this is a body blow of a significant magnitude to the NBA's overall brand, which I believe is rooted in authenticity and the authenticity that the NBA has sold, at least to a large percentage of its fan base, is our players are real. They say what they think. We don't police their opinions on anything. And now the NBA has found itself confronted with a true issue of a substantial global nature 
unlike, let's say, the transgender bathroom law in North Carolina, which led the team to abandon the state of North Carolina, or something as relatively inconsequential as the use of the word owner, which the NBA replaced with governor. Do you believe and agree with me that this has been a overall very bad week for the NBA? Let, 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 let me just start by going, going back a little bit. Daryl Morey is the GM of the Houston Rockets. He's not the GM of the Memphis Grizzlies or another team. The reason why that's important is because Tillman Fertitta just bought this team for $2.2 billion, and probably 10% of that valuation is based on the fact that through Yao Ming, the Rockets became the most relevant team in China. More than their relevance deserves, more than they deserve at all. Um, and so, what percentage? So let me cut you off there. What percentage of that two point one billion dollar valuation of the Houston Rockets do you think was attributable to their overall brand value in China? Uh, at least ten percent. Okay, so, I would think I would think more, but two hundred million dollars you think is, is, is directly connected? Off. Yes, yes. And if you were to tell me that um, there's going to be horrible relations for five years and the Houston Rockets, at least for five years, with no foreseeable future of returning to where they were before, I would say that, you know, it's 300 to 500 million dollars off. So, yes, this is a this was a lot. This is this was a horrible, horrible week for the NBA. So let's put that in context. But the fact that it was the Rockets and the fact that the guy who kicked down the door, Yao Ming, had to make a comment, he couldn't hide, because he is running the Chinese Basketball Association. So it could not have been worse from that standpoint. What do you think Daryl Morey was thinking? Do you think he had any clue what he was stepping into when he decided to tweet? Why do you think he decided to do it? Okay, so I've done about 150,000, 160,000 tweets. I don't yes. know if this, this is the same for you. For the nearly a hundred, tweets, nearly a hundred thousand of tweets, by the way, for okay. me. So, so for the five absolutely horrific tweets that I put out, there is one thing in common. I was not 100% focused. My twins were crying. I was doing something else. I was watching something else. I truly, Daryl Morey's a smart guy. He's an MIT. He's a Northwestern guy. I mean, I think that in the moment, whether he was drinking or whether he was just not 100% focused, he knew what he was saying but did not, did not digest the fact in the moment for some reason how perilous this was. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. 
Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And it's interesting because we talked about this a little bit. Uh, I know we went back and forth on Twitter, I believe, about this. The most expensive tweets that have ever been sent. Elon Musk uh, had had his issue with the Securities and Exchange Commission when he said he was going to take Tesla private for $420 and then later had to pay a huge fine and I think give up its chairmanship uh, or part Mm -hmm. of the uh, governing structure of Tesla as a result. You had Roseanne lose her show over her attack on Valerie Jarrett. Uh, You uh, have had Donald Trump certainly has sent tweets that have either hurt the market cap or impacted the overall stock market. uh, Wasn't there a Jenner Kardashian? Correct. There was uh, about Snapchat that wasn't overall like basically I think I can't remember if it was Kylie Jenner or Kendall Jenner. And frankly, I can't tell the difference between the two. Uh, But one of them said that Snapchat is uh, is like the new design on Snapchat is awful. And it was a cataclysmic hit to their stock. Nike obviously announces Kaepernick has a drop, then goes back up. But the difference, I would say, in general with those is the stock market value, you know, like adjust every single day. So unlike those where they can bounce around with stock prices and everything else, this has more of, I think, an impactful and potentially lingering uh, resonance than some of those do. Would you agree? Yes. And, you know, I want to go back because I want to be able to answer your question. You know, you talk about authenticity. Now, I never thought, I still thought it was the Jordan. I wasn't tricked by their social warrior status. I, I thought it was very much the Jordan Republican to buy shoes, too. Um, and I do agree that it looks shallow to not engage in this when you have issues of human rights and lack of freedom. But you know what? It's, it's, the truth is, and they can never say this, it's not important to them. It's 
not important to their lives. And that's why they can't talk because, and maybe that's horrible, but it's, it, they can't, they can't, they can relate to police brutality and wear shirts I can't breathe, but they cannot relate to a place that is not free and where you're persecuted and thrown in jail for things in America. They just can't, they can't relate or they can't relate that quickly. And so I think they're being honest by not saying anything, but I also do think, because if they said something, if it was what you really wanted to hear, it'd be really ugly. Uh, but I do think it is a shot against their authenticity. The question is, what is, what is that worth? And I don't think it's worth that much. Okay, I, I disagree. I think it's worth substantial. Let's take away from the individual players for a moment. And let me just say, I think the NBA opened itself up to this accusation of hypocrisy, and Adam Silver did as well. And this is not something that's unique to me. I wrote this three years ago, and it's not something that's unique just to the NBA either. It annoys me to no end when people decide to say, like, I think there were a couple of rock bands, for instance, that said, hey, I'm not going to play in North Carolina because I disagree with the transgender bathroom bill in the North Carolina state legislature. But those same rock stars or rappers or whoever they may be are willing to go to all sorts of kleptocracies around the world and play concerts in those places. And they don't care at all about the fact that they're playing in front of an audience that doesn't have the same basic human rights that they take for granted as American and citizens. I, I, would say, I would say you you are you are believing that there should be consistency. And I think in life there is not consistency. You know, there when when something is closer to you, even geographically, you feel different about it. I, know, but I would suggest uh, that this is that what I think is happening here is. I never bought into this woke universe of response. I thought it was something that, to me, if you're going to be considered brave, and I've said this for a long time, you have to risk life, liberty, or at minimum, something very dear to you in order to be truly called brave, right? I think that's a fair definition of bravery. Mm -hmm. The NBA and the players have not risked anything by the stances that they have taken in the United States related to politics. I would say that for Steve Kerr. I would say that for Greg Popovich. I would say that for LeBron James. I would say that for Adam Silver. They have gone after targets that are not in the wheelhouse of their existing fan base. If they are going to do that, and again, I, I, I am of the ilk that believes that ultimately, if the NBA had just said all along, hey, we're about trying to make as much money as a capitalistic organization as is possible, then I think people like me would not have called them out on hypocrisy. I don't mind that, right? I understand what Disney is trying to do with China. I understand what uh, Apple is trying to do with China. All these big multinational global brands that have to somehow, in order to make money off China, acquiesce to some Chinese directives. I don't think it's smart uh, as a as a political matter, but that's for governmental relations. I don't really get involved with individual brands. But so you're, when, so you're, you're basically obsessed set with the self-branding and the societal branding of the NBA players as social warriors at whatever cost. Yeah, and well because there is no cost to them. I mean they they have you know been praised and 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 gotten treated as if they are incredibly brave 
for stances that they have taken that require that require no risk. And that's what happens with sports icons. We 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 overestimate. You know, we we talk about how charitable they are and. You know, and then you look behind it and you see that, you know, they don't give any money to their own foundations. And we we prop these guys up on a pedestal for everything that they do. I think there's some truth to that, but I think there's a different level that the NBA received. And I think the media was culpable here. And I do think, I'm curious if you agree with me here, the NBA, the media that covers the NBA, if you compare them in general to the media that covers the NFL, is much less contentious and much more akin to a cheerleader group than it is to Agreed. a rigorous. And why do you think that Agreed. is? Agreed. And, that, and that's, but that's, that's also because they've, they've had practice. The NFL, I think the media has, feels less pressure on itself because Roger Goodell is universally hated. But much Adam that, Silver, yeah. I think before this, I think Adam Silver before this was, you know, lauded and loved and and seen as smart. And but I, I think that's because, think- to a large extent, the people who cover the NBA agree with the social causes that NBA players and owners I and disagree. league has espoused. No, you, no, you, I think it's because they're more comfortable. Listen, when when you're a reporter. You have to know when to take your shots and if taking your shots are worth it. Taking shots at Roger Goodell or the establishment of the NFL or the union, it's easier to recover from taking those shots because you have the whole world behind you. It's chicken or egg. I mean, it's like, you you know, you have it's because there has been so much negative and the public agrees with the negative. That's what frees up NFL reporters from being able to criticized in the way that NBA reporters don't. I think that's interesting, but to me, the purpose of having a free and independent media is having media members who are brave enough not to worry about who's lining up behind them. I, I, maybe I'm rare in this, but I can legitimately say when I do my radio show or I do my uh, Periscope Facebook or I write my columns, I never think are people going to agree with what I say or what I write? I think, do I believe? But hold on, Clay. You don't have to show up at the arena every day. You don't have to, sh- you don't have to show your face. But, but that goes you know to the I point. Think? That goes to the point of that, but that, makes you that being. That makes, yeah, that's what makes you you. But it also makes you more comfortable by the virtue of the fact that you don't have to show your face. Well, but right? most I of those. Most of those guys are useless. I mean, this goes to a larger context of uh, what's the value of most people who cover a team? Not much. I mean, right? Like if you that's, took out, if you knocked out ninety eight percent of the people who show up for a press conference and only allowed two percent of people to ask the questions, and I've been arguing this for a long time, the value of the press conference would be higher. Because there's a huge percentage of people there that provide actually nothing of value based on their attendance there. So, look, if if LeBron James said, hey, I'll have a sit down with you and you can ask me any question under the sun, I would do it. He wouldn't do it because I would actually ask him questions that he doesn't want to answer. I always say on my radio show. And he believes and he believes, as all these NBA stars believe, that they should be afforded the right to pick and choose the questions. Now, now, I've, I've never said that they were social warriors. I never said that they deserve more than I thought they deserved. That's society. That's not my problem. But 
Yes. I mean, they're, they're going to pick and choose because they feel like they deserve the right to do that because they've achieved basketball success and they don't want anything to compromise them. Yeah, I don't think that there's any danger to them, though, is my point. Like, if LeBron James came out and truly wanted to be the Muhammad Ali of our generation as opposed to lazy people who haven't studied history comparing him to Muhammad Ali, he could well, easily it's say... Profitable. It's more profitable to pick and choose. Correct. I understand that. But if LeBron James truly wanted to be Muhammad Ali, he could come out and say, I believe all 1.4 billion people in China should have the same basic human rights that we have in America. And the fact that they don't is wrong. It's a very simple statement. But it's worth $8 million a year for him not to say that. Okay. But he's got hundreds of millions of dollars. And so Muhammad Ali risked his entire career in order to become Muhammad Ali. I mean, he took a stand on a contentious social issue that a lot of people disagreed with. For all of LeBron's talk about how brave he is and how active he is, what's the most controversial thing that LeBron James has ever said? I'm taking my talents to South Beach. It was entirely a decision rooted in sports. He's never said anything remotely comparable to I ain't got no quarrel with the Viet Cong, which is what Muhammad Ali said. You you do have to be fair. You do have to compare generations. So like would Muhammad Ali be who he was if the endorsements were dangling the way they're dangling? That's a great question. Maybe, maybe Muhammad Ali never would have. Right. Like LeBron is a step up from Jordan. Jordan wouldn't talk about anything. So LeBron's a step up. He'll talk about things he's comfortable with, but he will talk. Jordan wasn't comfortable with talking about anything. So See, but I would, I would disagree. Up. And that's an interesting argument. You can argue that Jordan was a step, uh, LeBron's a step up from Jordan. I actually disagree. I think what Jordan represented was the goal of appealing to everyone with the excellence of his talents, but he only wanted for his talents in basketball to be his calling card. That is, to me, different than LeBron, who I think recognized that he was not going to ever reach the six titles of Michael Jordan or reach the elevated stature worldwide of Michael Jordan. And so about 12 or 14 years into his, into his career, he pivoted and decided, oh, I'm going to try to become a figure like Muhammad Ali more than I'm going to be a figure like Michael Jordan. And as a result... I think you give both of these guys... You, you give these guys both of these guys way too much credit. I don't, I don't think they think about their brand in that way. I think Jordan just simply said, listen, up until this point in 1984, a black man wasn't speaking to white, to white people for endorsements. It just didn't happen. I mean, yes, there was, there were small endorsements. Other you know, than o- had- OJ. Right. OJ had hurts. Yeah. Other than OJ, who, 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 as alleged by Black America, like made himself white to do it. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, but yeah, no. And so it was enough of a, a challenge to be the everyman as a black person in eighty four, eighty five. Um, and and so I don't think he wanted to screw that up. Um, but I don't. I don't but think I think LeBron. there's appeal there, right? Because Jordan, if you wanted to kind of put Jordan in that context of becoming an everyman pitchman whose race was not integral to his overall appeal, that was also the case with back in that those days, Eddie Murphy, 
Will Smith would later take that baton. Bill Cosby, certainly, in The Cosby Show, which was revolutionary in the sense that it portrayed a black American family as not that much different than a white American family, right? You're trying to appeal to everyone. The idea being that we, despite our differences of race or gender or ethnicity, whatever else, actually have a lot more in common than we do in different. And I think what LeBron has done is sliced and diced a small segment of that population and said, I'm going to try to fulfill and be the everyman for this small group. And I think that you may be right that it's not a calculated decision. I tend to think there are tons of branding people that are sitting around with these guys trying to pitch them all day long on what they think makes sense. Um, and, uh, and certainly social media can complicate this because you have the ability to make decisions kind of instantaneously. Um, and the idea with social media, and I think you would agree, is that authenticity matters more than anything. Uh, but if LeBron's going to sell this idea of equality, of everybody being on the same level of the importance of speaking truth to power. That's kind of his brand now, right? He certainly has basically just done what he said he would never do, which is shut up and dribble for money. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I don't think, I, I think while you, while that makes sense, I don't think that's going to cost him. I don't, I don't think that's going to cost him. And I, and the reason I said, I thought Adam Silver had a win was you know, I do think it was a win for for the business, uh, and I'm not trying to say that it was the it was the right move. I just do think that you know I I had thought that that China wanted a win, and I thought they'd lock them out of the arena, and no one would show up. They didn't lock them out of the arena, and everyone showed up. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com, and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and... 
and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think China saying you can come play, but you have to play by our rules, which means you can't talk to the media, which means your players say nothing. I think that's a win for China because it is. I mean, really, if you break it down, what actually happened there, China told the NBA and their teams and their biggest stars, LeBron James, Adam Silver, Kyrie Irving, uh, Anthony Davis, shut up and dribble or you have to leave our country and we're going to keep our money. And they did. I think in the process of playing the game and not walking away, I think Adam Silver felt like he had to do what was right for business. And I think from a business standpoint, that was right. I also think that, you know, the people who I'm just I'm I'm trying to look at this in a non-emotional way, right? Like just from the business standpoint, and it's hard to do that because of what China's done to its people. But um, I think that he did make the right move in being able to play the actual game, despite the fact, as you said, that it was not on TV there. Um, the, he, he did not leave. He did not leave because he, he basically was saying, we, we want to play for you. We want to be here. Even if it was under their terms, um, I, 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 think it's, I, I think it was the right move from a business standpoint. And I was told there were people who were trying to tell him, no, we should go, we should go. And he was absolutely insistent that they play the game. Yeah, I disagree. I think, that, I think they should have gone. Here, here's what I would say. You asked a good question. What's the impact when they come back to the United States, right? Because it's not like they're going to stay in China for very long. Here's where I think this could be significant for them. I think certainly when they start to try to speak out again, like let's say that I, I, don't, know, I, I don't know where the next All-Star game is going to be, but let's say it could happen. It wouldn't be stunning, right? If in the state of Georgia, like you may know where the next NBA All-Star game is going to be. I'm just going to pick a state, Georgia. Let's say that Georgia has an abortion bill, like they have that abortion bill that Hollywood wasn't happy about, right? Or whatever you want to call it. And there was talk about, oh, we're going to pull our, uh, pull our resources out of the state of Georgia. Because of the precedent that they set with North Carolina, anytime they're going into a state that has a controversial political legislation in front of it now, people are going to say, well, you pulled out of North Carolina. If they decide to get involved in that politically, the immediate response is going to be, dude, you played games in China. You can't complain about any existing state law anymore in the United States. Same and, thing. And there Let's is say- no doubt. Yeah, there is no doubt to me that that is accurate, that that uh, is accurate, that they, that they have. I agree with you. They have compromised their ability to really do anything from a political, maybe social standpoint now that you can always bring up China. And, Not only and, that, and like, does, sorry, it, it's what they did in North Carolina. But the question is, I don't think that costs them that much. 
that that's where we differ. We agree. yeah. I'm, I'm going to get I'm going to get to that in a sec because I do think also all this conversation. Every single team that wins, are you going to go to the White House? As long as Donald Trump is there, it's a discussion. If the Lakers win the title, let's say, and LeBron James tries to make a big statement by saying, "I'm not going to go see that bum in the White House," meaning Donald Trump it's not going to have any resonance anymore because immediately, even for people who support LeBron James, they're going to kind of have to nod their head and say, but dude, you were willing to go play in China and you shut up and you said nothing. And then you come back into America and you take advantage of freedom of speech and the fact that there's no real danger to your brand. You look like a hypocrite now. You went to China, but you wouldn't go to the White House. Now, let me also say this. You know as well as I do that the NBA Finals bring in a huge audience that isn't otherwise committed to the NBA, right? Like the the diehard mm-hmm. NBA fan, I tend to agree with you, is probably not going to be very impacted by this, right? If you have season tickets, if you like a particular team, if you like a particular player, you're probably going to continue. But that's a relatively small part of the American sporting audience. In fact, if you look at like the start of the NBA playoffs – four or five million people might watch a big NBA playoff game in the early rounds versus 14 or 15 million who watch in the NBA finals sometime up to, you know, 22, 23 That's million. True. I think what happens is those are the people the NBA has to be concerned about. And I do think there are a lot of part in the, a lot of people in the middle part of the country. I live in Nashville. I think there are a lot of people in the state of Tennessee who love basketball. I think there's a lot of people in the state of Indiana who love basketball, state of North Carolina, normal middle-of-the-road people who are going to be very turned off by what they saw the NBA doing in China. Now, if they get a great, unbelievable series and they get, let's say, I don't know, the two best teams that could possibly play, and I don't even know who those teams are right now, but they get LeBron in the finals and they get LeBron against somebody from the East who's valid, maybe the strength of that overall series could matter. But I do think they lost people on the fringes who are otherwise going to watch Netflix or who are otherwise going to watch Amazon Prime or the latest HBO show, and they'll say, screw it, I'm not going to watch the NBA. I didn't like the way they responded when they were confronted with an issue in China. As an American, I don't find the league response correct. I do think that can impact at the fringes one or two million people. I, I don't. I, I think. I think their. Uh, I think their risk is the Rockets because they happen to be good, and uh, and I do think that that China will, as things have the potential to get better, I think they're going to continue to blame the Rockets, and Yao is not going to help. So I think they're. You know, from a from a world standpoint, I don't think Americans are going to feel affected by this. Even the casual fans on the fringes, I think that their concern has to continue to be China. And if the Rockets are really good and they're in the finals, it will hurt them more. Uh, that's an interesting point. If the Rockets are there, that the uh, China might not even show it. Yes. Right. Yeah, I mean, that, that could be a legitimate. That's massive. That could be a legitimate concern if the Rockets are in the NBA Finals, and they could be if Russell Westbrook and James Harden go well. Um, what did you think about the NBA? And I guess it ended up being the Houston Rockets cutting off questions now for players about China. Do you think that will become commonplace? You know, I I, I think that you know with with Steve Kerr i mean do we believe i i'm not sure i believe that Steve Kerr doesn't have enough information i 100% um, do not believe that he's too smart as, to legitimately not claimed, have an opinion uh, yes i do believe i do believe that players don't have enough information um and and so i think they're legitimately worried about 
you know, what they're going to say or, you know, and so they, they cut them off just like Clemson doesn't allow their football players to be on social media. It's the same thing. Um, so, yeah, it's not, it's not ideal, but I, 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 I would rather them do that than the Steve Kerr answer of, you know, I got to learn more because I think they really do need to learn more before saying something. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're talking to Darren Ravel, by the way. Go follow him on Twitter, at Darren Ravel. Love following him. We've known each other for a long time. We don't always agree, but that's one of the great things about living in America. We don't have to on every single subject. So, uh, We would America, not have though, this show in China. We would not, would have, not this have this show in China. Show in China. Yes. Uh, it, <laughs> in America now, though, Philadelphia, protesters chanting free Hong Kong, escorted out of the arena, Wells Fargo. In D.C. last night, protesters show up to support Hong Kong, kicked out now there are chinese teams playing against american teams so that's what's going on how much does the nba have to be concerned that a calculated attempt to make the nba the focal point of all protest could occur among activists in the united states now because of the way the situation in china has played out 
concerned. They do have to be concerned, absolutely, uh, that the NBA is just the right place to protest because, as you know, protesters go where they can be most effective, can be heard the most, know they're going to get kicked out. So, listen, uh, having watched the, the video in Washington, um, you know, the security guards were definitely told about this. I'm not sure that, that the Wizards or anyone was thinking about it. I think the NBA has been so busy in China that they haven't figured out, you know, how to put everything together. But the NBA has a group called Teambo, which is essentially all the teams are competing against each other, but they all share information, and it's better than any other major league out there. And I expect them to share information and and probably, you know, just do the best they can. And and probably, and I think that might mean allowing them, you know, because once you allow them to hold signs and there's not the video, the home video, you know, the, the cell phone of the guy getting his free Hong Kong signs uh, uh, taken away, then you make them powerless. Or at least diminish. It's right. They need the conflict in order to create a lot of attention. But the downside yeah, is, yes. The downside is if these games are being streamed into Hong Kong. I mean, into China and into Hong Kong and everywhere else. Yeah. Then the Chinese censors may well say we can't have Chinese games airing here unless the NBA is going to be cutting out these signs before it arrives to us but how do you do that with a live sporting event the reason why i bring it up is and you know this they will edit all different sorts of movies right like the newest avengers they'll take out a couple of minutes that they decide offends chinese viewership but they have the opportunity to view that in advance with live sports this seems like it could be a real challenge to the nba's china partnership if people underneath the baseline are allowed to hold free hong kong signs up or sitting courtside yeah. How in the world do you handle that when somebody goes to try to save a ball out of bounds and the camera naturally follows the player and there's four people in a row holding up free Hong Kong signs on the front row? Right. Well, listen, let me end with this, okay? This is, I, I, I think this is the most complex situation we've ever had in sports that an executive of league has ever had to deal with, okay? It's, when you look at Donald Sterling, there was one choice to make. Um, yeah, Pete Rozelle made the wrong decision with JFK when he got assassinated and going out and playing games. And that's when, but there are so many complexities to this. If Adam Silver saves the, the business, he's being heartless, gutless, unethical. Uh, if the players don't talk, they're losing their authenticity. They don't, you now don't trust them about caring about anything other than battles that they can always win. Um, so, this is going to be from a from a journalist standpoint. This is going to be really, really interesting to cover, and from a human standpoint too. I mean, what happens? Is a player going to go out on a limb this year? An NBA player, when things die down and it's not just basketball, is a team going to try to say all questions are about basketball this year? Okay, fine. Then we're not going to talk about the team charity or what the guy's doing off the court. So there's so many tentacles to this that uh, it's, it is just going to be so fascinating to cover this. And I think PR people are going to be challenged. Executives, team executives are going to be challenged. There is, there is more to do off the court now than on the court. And um, we've never seen anything like this. Last question for you. How does the NBA respond if a player writes free Hong Kong on their sneakers or a player wants to come out 
in a free Hong Kong t-shirt like they allowed other uh, players to make statements about police brutality and whatnot. What do they do? Does the NBA have to implement a policy here? Do you think somebody challenges the, the, you know, the basically right now what appears to be almost an agreed upon silence on this issue? Will someone challenge it? And if so, what do they do? It depends on how much the NBA, you know, wants this business. It, It really does. It depends on on whether you know Adam Silver wanted the business, did not want to back down, wanted to play, wanted to say to China, we'll still play, we'll agree to your rules. But, you know, obviously China's not going to want those signs or those those statements on shirts for pregame or anything like that for warm-up um, or on a shoe that is played during the game, you know. So I think that... They're gonna. They'll revisit it. They'll figure it out. But I totally expect there to be some sort of formal policy that Adam Silver is not going to care if it gets out. Um, and by the I way, think they did. They did. They did. People didn't talk about the fact that you know the NBA clearly put a code of silence on these players. But I think you know coming out, we're gonna we're gonna see what's behind the curtain. And and if Adam Silver doesn't want people to find out, I. I I don't think that's going to happen, but they're going to have to make some really clear rules. And if you find out that each player doesn't can't can't have free Hong Kong on them, then people are going to assault the NBA again and say they're you know they're for money and they're agreeing to Chinese the, the, the Chinese government's rules because they just want to make money. And maybe Adam Silver is going to have to be okay with that. It is a challenge that the NBA has that the NFL, for one, doesn't have, the NHL doesn't have, and certainly Major League Baseball, because the NBA has relied so much on creating basketball as a global brand. I'm with you. I think this is one of the most fascinating intersections of sports, politics, culture, uh, and beyond that we have ever seen. And I certainly didn't see when the weekend started that this was going to turn into uh, the story that it has. Uh, thank you so much, Darren Ravel, for the time. I think people are really going to enjoy this. Uh, and uh, good luck to following the twists and turns as they uh, continue to emerge. Clay, I have a lot of respect for you. Always great to come on with you. That's Darren Ravel. I'm Clay Travis. Special edition of the Wins and Losses podcast discussing the wins and losses for the NBA as it is dealt with China all week long. Thanks for listening to us. If you enjoyed this one, you'll enjoy a lot of others as well. Again, this has been Wins and Losses. I'm Clay Travis, and thank you for listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.